man, it was hard. Um, same with Khalil, you know, it's hard. Uh, more so because those guys are my friends, you know. They come over to my house, we play, as you know, pool basketball, they hang out with my kids, you know, all those kind of things. That's, that's the hard thing is not seeing my friend every day. We're doing everything we can to win games and certainly uh, build this football team. And uh, not everybody, I'm sure, um, understands you know, what's going on, but uh, I just want to say those two things. We're doing everything we can for the Raiders, for the team today and the team of the future, and sometimes it's a tough job. We had a trade today um, with the Dallas Cowboys. It's a trade that um, it was an opportunity that I felt I couldn't pass on to get a first round pick. Welcome to another edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, joined today with Gilbert Manzano, Raiders writer, along with Michael Gelkin as well, our Raiders beat writer and review journal MVP of the, the month here. Congratulations on that award, Michael, and welcome back after a bye week. So uh, we're going to get into everything that's happened over the past week because there has been a lot. But first, that audio that we just brought you was from Derek Carr, discussing the loss of Amari Cooper. What a way to come into week eight off the bye week. Again, this is the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by your local Southern Nevada Toyota dealers. And Michael, you were out in the UK. You got to go to Ireland. Welcome back home. How was your trip? It was great. It's weird. I'm not going to be on vacation, even though I technically did practice. John still did a news conference. I mentioned a release. Derek Johnson, a defensive co-captain, and they were just, it's hard not to follow what's going on in Alameda, even from Northern Ireland. You just can't help it, because uh, still, even though there's no practice and it's the bye week, it's still middle of the football season, so it felt a little different, and the Raiders find a way to keep themselves busy, and players had a five-day break, got back on Monday, and of course, that is when the Amari Cooper trade occurred. What was the... I guess, what was the feeling like? What was the sentiment like with different players that you may have talked to? You're there on the ground. You're the one that's got all the inside looks with all these guys and talk to them on a daily basis. What was the overall feeling, especially because it seemed as though, from what I heard, that he was just kind of taken off the field during practice and uh, ushered away. So at that point, do you think that that might have initially raised red flags for the team and, and everyone started wondering, like, what's going on? Yeah, some guys didn't notice when Amari Cooper was pulled off the field. Others did. Brandon LaFell, wide receiver for the Raiders, he and Amari Cooper were, were chatting, and LaFell was teasing him about the concussion he got eight days earlier, making sure that Amari was aware that he was on U.S. soil. And then that's about the time while Amari Cooper's laughing, and soon thereafter, where a Raiders official walks over to Amari and kind of quietly pulls him off the field. I'm not sure the exact Raiders official. It might have been Tom Delaney, but... Uh, regardless, uh, so Mari walks off. Some people see it, others don't. Practice is going. Uh, guys are aware of the trade speculation, but they don't have any confirmation as to whether or not that's what this is. Uh, practice ends. Uh, John Gruden speaks to reporters, or pardon me, speaks to players. Doesn't mention anything about Mari Cooper having just been traded. Um, later, John Gruden would say it wasn't official yet, and so he didn't want to speak too early, but. By the time practice had ended, it was all over 
social media. And so Raiders players retire to the locker room, go to their cell phones, and they all kind of find out at the same time, wow, after trading Colmatic eight days before the season, the team now has traded Amari Cooper for a 2019 first-round pick. There was surprise. There was some anger, as you might expect. These guys are grinding away. While they understand it's a business and it's a very experienced Raiders locker room, so that level of experience, these guys have seen it all. Uh, so they understand it to some degree. Nothing surprises them per se. But this one I think definitely did for a lot of guys. And so, yeah, middle of the season, you just got back from the bye. You just had your first practice. Quite a while, almost find out that Roy Cooper has been traded. And John Gruden wasn't able to speak to players about that until Wednesday morning. So from Monday afternoon to Wednesday morning, uh, there was a gap there in terms of players finding out to Gruden addressing it with the team. Well, I mean, talk about the wind taken out of your sails. And at some point before they can even catch their breath, the Raiders obviously going one and five right now. And I know that there's got to be some dissent there in the locker room between some people. Some are speculating that there's divide with Derek Carr, that uh, there's a lot of breakdown with him and some of the other teammates in the locker room. Is that true? I mean, I did see today what you wrote, Titan Lee Smith comes right to his defense. He speaks up and says, no, Jordy Nelson, also part of that uh, backing for Derek Carr, saying that's not an issue at all. And even Derek Carr had something to say about that as well. But what what was your take with Lee Smith? I think Lee Smith's comments were emblematic of how a lot of Raiders teammates feel. And Lee's a, he's somebody who you, you could really predict would stand by Derek. Uh, because their relationship is more than just tight end to quarterback. It is two men who are close friends away from the field. Their wives know each other. Their families know each other. Derek is a Christian man, and those values, if you were to ask Lee Smith's wife, has been a great influence on Lee. And so not to get too into the religious aspect of it, but more so just about it's not just about Derek Carr, the quarterback. It's Derek Carr, the person, in terms of why he is respected by so many in the Raiders locker room. That being said, one of the great things about an NFL locker room, there are 53 guys in there, including <laughs> the practice squad. There's 63. And so if you really want to find a certain opinion in the middle of a one in five year about say a quarterback who's throwing way too many interceptions about a head coach that's making some bold moves and has a huge contract, you're going to find those opinions. But I think the one key thing is that it's not unanimous which i think some maybe thought when they read that story and i have a ton of respect for that writer marcus thompson but it, it wasn't unanimous in terms of if, if you want to phone in that locker room you want to find people who would run through a wall for Derek carr you can find those men now can you maybe find some who less so who are maybe a little more checked out here in the middle of the season probably but every every locker room that i've ever been in there's always going to be that subset of guys who maybe aren't quite all the way in there like others. What I loved about what he had to say was that it was obnoxious and ridiculous to assume that there's a fractured sense in the locker room with Derek Carr. Uh, I loved that quote by Lee Smith that was in your article. Again, you could look at all of Michael's work on ReviewJournal.com. Uh, there's also a lot to do with these trade rumors right now. Obviously, the trade deadline coming up here on the 30th of this month. There's some uh, guys that seem Raiders right now are a selling team. And, and you see guys like Carl Joseph that are possibly out there. And, of course, the big one, Derek Carr, was asked today 
about uh, whether or not he thinks he would be on the chopping block as there are some trade rumors out here. So here's what Carr had to say about that. My brother told me when I came to the NFL, if they cut Peyton Manning, they're going to cut you someday too. And so that that's always a realization for anybody in our locker room. We all have to show up and give our best on the practice field, the meeting room, and all those kind of things to make sure we're around, you know, for, for the long haul. And so, uh, but to be honest with you, I'm quarterback here today. I have confidence I'll be here tomorrow. And when we turn this around, I'm very confident I'm going to be here when we do that as well. So Derek Carr has been obviously a big focal point, a lot of talk that's happening with the team. Another big story that came out last, the week before last, was uh, that he was crying in London when he got hit, he, there was a photo that went viral of him holding onto his shoulder and apparently a look on his face that appeared to many people that he was crying. Gilbert and I, we actually, we talked about that last week. And uh, Gilbert, you alluded to the fact that you didn't think that it had anything to do with being hurt at all because he, what he had been through in the past with the broken leg and, and uh, excuse me, a broken ankle as well as his back being fractured. Yeah, it's just some people have different facial expressions when you're getting knocked around by 300-pound uh, linemen. So uh, when you get hit, it's going to hurt. So it, it's okay if Derek Carr is making a few weird faces. I, I didn't know that's going to be a big story. We were talking about this a week ago, and here we are. It's a story about him looking like he's crying. Uh, I, I don't know how much uh, you you want to take that story for, but the guy got sacked six times. Uh, if you if you want to help out your quarterback, you block him. You you block for him and you help him out. You get him protected. Uh, there was no protection, but you got to give uh, Derek Carr uh, props for trying to go back into the game. The game was out of reach. The game was over. He still wanted to play. So about when it comes to toughness, I think Derek Carr is very tough. Like what you mentioned, he played with with a, with a fractured back. Uh, uh, he he had a broken ankle. He still came back the next year real quick. Uh, when it comes to toughness, I think Derek Carr is still, you know, a guy you could count on. But it's it's rough when you're getting hit so many times, six times. Frank Frank Clark, Frank Clark, uh, you know, pretty much dominated Colton Miller in that game, so there was no protection. But it's just you know one game. I'm sure. I think Derek Carr mentioned today or, or the, the the other day that you know when he gets hit, he makes these weird faces. I think they were saying that his trainer showed him a video. So it's just who he is. I don't know how this became a story, but when you're one in five. There are a lot of negative stories out there. In fact, let's hear from Derek Carr in his own words right now, defending the fact uh, that he wasn't crying, just what Gilbert said, that his trainer had said to him that you make that face all the time. So apparently it's something that happens. Here's Derek Carr on just that. I broke my back. I broke my ankle. I didn't cry then, so I guess the, the shoulder was really tough for me. But, uh, uh, I, I, you know, it was funny, man. My trainer actually sent me some pictures of me working out making the same face. So I guess I cry when I train, too. But, uh, you know, it, it, it just is what it is when you're losing, man. Just like uh, any technique or anything you do as a player. When you're losing, when things are tough, when things are happening, uh, we know how that goes, man. I know how it goes. I've been doing it too long. You know, but I never thought I'd have to do that. So Derek Carr's had a lot to deal with as he comes out of this bye week. Again, we know the struggles that the offensive line has had. Gilbert, you just spoke about that a little bit. Uh, Colton Miller is still on the injury list as well as uh, most of the offensive line. Uh, both tackles. You have Rodney Hudson there as well. You still have um, Osemele not back yet. He, he's maybe a question mark for this week. Michael, do you have any update on some of the players and their injuries and who we know may or may not be coming back for this week against the Colts? The real question is with Cleccio Semele, the left guard, who's missed the past two games. And you look at the Raiders' offense, they've had their two worst performances of the season when Cleccio Semele was out. It's also when 
Colton Miller has been battling that right knee injury, allowing sacks and pressure, also dealing with the shoulder ailment. So he just isn't right, just battling a left tackle. And so the left side of the offensive line has been battered. You would hope, if you're the Raiders, enough to get everyone going. And while Colton Miller certainly feels today than he did before the bye, still guys are working as limited participants. But as of now, Osemele is not participating in the practice. We'll see what his participation level is on Friday, but he is yet to practice this week as we speak on Thursday. So fair to say that as we chat now, probably questionable. Uh, you don't want to roll him out until the Raiders do. because This is one tough guy, and he, if he can play, he will. But above, you know, past that, uh, the Raiders are expected to get safety Carl Joseph back, so they could turn around and trade perhaps Monday or Tuesday. Um, and then uh, Frosty Rucker, who's dealing with a neck injury, he's expected to play. And so everybody else uh, should be fine. But Osemele is the one. Michael, watch. you mentioned Carl Joseph and say that he could be one of the players that's likely to be traded this week. We just talked about the rumors with Carr. It seems nobody is untouchable right now. Everybody can be dealt. Obviously, that being a big message with the Amari Cooper trade. What are you making of the sentiment in the locker room in regards to this right now? Is everybody on edge? What's the feeling like? Well, I think everyone's bracing themselves. Let me preface it all by saying if Derek Carr is traded by Tuesday's deadline, I will walk to Las Vegas. Uh, that isn't happening. I'd be shocked if it happens. I shouldn't say anything <laughs> won't happen definitively, but that's how – I mean, I, I would be, be – careful, Michael. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool in the desert this time of year in October, right? <laughs> yeah, you'll be okay. Except for the parts, you know, like Death Valley, but I don't think you have to yeah, walk have blisters there. on your feet too. Well, <laughs> well, well anyway – <laughs> so, <laughs> I, th- I think I think guys are well aware of where the team is. If you didn't know where the team stands in terms of it trying to build for its future and have as many draft picks as possible for 2019 and 20, then if you didn't know that when the team traded Khalil Mack, then you certainly knew it after they traded Amari Cooper. So at this point, guys are somewhat bracing themselves. If you were to ask Carl Joseph whether or not he's bracing himself to be traded, the answer there is yes. Um, you know, other players, you know, we'll see. I think it really just comes down to value. Can the Raiders get value for certain players on their roster? If they feel that they're not getting value for Carl Joseph, might he stay? Entirely possible. But if they find that they get a draft pick that is attractive enough, I think Carl Joseph probably stands out among everyone in the locker room as the guy most likely to be moved. We'll see. I saw a report uh, just the other day regarding Bruce Irvin, team's defensive end, as, as he might be an option, uh, which – Financially makes sense. Age-wise makes sense. You know, more reps for young guys uh, certainly makes them a worse football team, uh, which doesn't hasn't stopped them yet so far in terms of moving guys. So we'll see by Tuesday how it all shakes out. But fair to say that guys are are waiting for Tuesday to come. They're bracing themselves for Tuesday to come, and uh, whether or not it comes and goes quietly, uh, we'll wait and find out. Well, Michael, you did a great story on Reggie McKenzie, who's helped to put a lot of this team together, who brought in Carl Joseph, who drafted him in 2016. And I have to wonder at this point, because John Gruden's obviously the one making the call and a lot of moving parts with the team. Is there a divide between them? Is that at all noticeable? You wrote this great article about Reggie McKenzie. I guess in the sense that he's trying to remind people that he's there. I, 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 me, 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 I, I was a lot that I took away from the article uh, that you had written. And in fact, that may be almost a quote from your article. 
But is there a sense that Reggie McKenzie is trying to put himself back out there to let people know that he is still here, that he is still a guy that's making moves for the team? Or, you know, what is the bottom line there? Yeah, and I haven't spoken to the Raiders PR staff, but I think that must have been a plan, a strategy, going into that sit-down with reporters is having Reggie McKenzie kind of reclaim his position as general manager. Back in January, when John Gruden was introduced, Mark Davis, the team's owner, said it was his vision for Gruden to coach the players and for McKenzie to choose the talent. And since then, you look at the fingerprints on this roster, and you would think that John Gruden's doing both. He's coaching the players, and he's also heavily, heavily influential in the selection of free agents and draft picks onto this roster. And so you had Reggie McKenzie talking about how he was working the phones and how he thought it was a good deal. So he approached John Gruden with it and, you know, just really doing what he thought was best for the football team. It was purposeful. It was certainly by design. And it was one of the biggest takeaways for, for me from that sit down with Reggie McKenzie. It was, I think I wrote this, it was less about or as much about Reggie McKenzie talking about the wide receiver, the Pro Bowl wide receiver who is now gone, as it was him talking about the 2016 executive of the year who's still here. And that, uh, again, Reggie McKenzie even had something to say about the relationship that he has with Gruden because I believe he was asked about that and if Gruden was pulling the strings. So here's what McKenzie had to say. We're building this thing in concert together. I'm talking about me and Coach Gruden, we trying to we building this thing together, you know. So when I want to make a deal, and, you know, and I think these picks are going to help this team tremendously. Bottom line, and um, it was something that I saw as a great opportunity. You know, we have talked a lot about the negatives here things that are changing with the team, the one in five season that they're having, the obvious rebuild that's happening with the team. But right now what we're going to do is take a break on the Vegas Nation podcast. Again, you can subscribe on iTunes and we're going to come back and bring you something positive, something that you didn't know about Jalen Richard, who's going to help share the void left by Marshawn Lynch and carrying the football this week and being out there on the field. We've got a positive story from him and something you may not have known about him. So stay tuned. We will be back here on the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by your local Southern Nevada Toyota dealers. The Toyota RAV4. It's up for anything. Toyota. Let's go places. Let's go be spontaneous. Let's go out of our comfort zone. Let's go make the most of it in the Toyota Corolla. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome back to the Vegas Nation podcast. Again, available on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe so that you get notifications of every episode that is updated and brought to you weekly with Gilbert Manzano, Michael Gelkin, and I am Heidi Fang. Again, we're brought to you by your local Southern Nevada Toyota dealers. And right now, what we want to do is bring you something that is a bit more personal about one of the players. Michael, you have the opportunity every week to get to know these 
these guys on a one-on-one -on -one level. And I got to tell you, this story with Jalen Richard was one of my favorite things that I've heard all season probably anywhere about any player. I love this story that you have, Michael. What can you tell us about what we're about to reveal about Jalen Richard? So it's, it's, it's pretty unique where, and I, I'm sure this exists maybe other places, but uh, you don't see it everywhere, where at team headquarters, right outside the building, you have fans who are just sitting there, standing there for hours on end for the hope that when a player comes in or out of work, they'll slow their vehicle and sign a football, a helmet, a mini helmet, a photo. And over the course of time, there's one autograph seeker in particular. He's a season ticket holder. His name's Hein Tu. He has developed this habit where if a guy routinely stops for him, he'll find a way to give that Raiders player a gift of some sort. And for... Jalen Rashid, he's done this for a number of players, different things for different guys. For Derek Carr, you know, among other things, he gave him a Kobe Bryant jersey. For Sean Melvin, he bought a Kevin Durant jersey. For Obi Melifonu, he made a candle. And for Jalen Rashard, well, we, should we just jump into the audio? Yeah, um, I think we should. We should just jump right into it. Let's hear him. I'm going to start on that. Sure you, you, I know you've noticed there. No matter win or lose, there's when you're coming in and out of headquarters, there are certain fans who are asking for autographs. Yeah. And some of these guys might be pros. You know, they just mm -hmm. want to sell it. There's others who are just diehard fans. They're yeah. season ticket holders, and they just want to show their support. And I know one of those guys. He said that he gave you a like a plant, like a succulent plant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about Pete. That. Yeah. That's what I named him. You named him Pete? Yeah, I named him Pete the Plant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I what? named him Pete the Plant. I still got him. I water him, I water him a couple yeah. times a week. He told me, when he handed him to me, he told me not to water him too much or they'll get to, he'll get too big. Yeah. But I got him. He, he's sitting on the counter at my house. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I got him sitting on the counter at my house. What'd you think about that when he got it? Uh, I thought that was real cool. Uh, I mean... They, they, you know, we definitely, you know, enjoy the support and everybody that come out there and, um, you know, ask to sign. And, you know, like you said, sometimes you have those same guys out there, so sometimes you don't be wanting to sign they stuff too. But um, when you get stuff like that, like that was unique. Nobody had that. Everything else has been signed. Ain't nobody ever handed me a plant. And I was like, all right, I'll get a plant. I wanted the goldfish, but I'll take a plant. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. When did he give it to you? Um. This year? Yeah, I want to say it was, it was this off season. In OTAs? Yeah, I want to say it was OTAs. I haven't had it too long. Okay. Haven't had it too long because he he ain't got too big. At first, he was chilling in my car. I would keep him in my car in the back of the Audi in between because I just got a two seater for in the back. Uh -huh. He got like a little spot, so I would have him just sitting there. But like. I ended up uh, taking them out the car and putting them in the house. I'm like, where you got this plant from? Who gave you this plant? I'm like, the fan. <laughs> I like this Pete. Oh, no, I got She it. like Pete. Oh, you didn't gave the plant a name. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, it's Pete. Who was that conversation with? Uh, my wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told her, uh, yeah, this Pete the plant. And then I'll be, she be, I'll be asking her to water it for me, like when I ain't home and stuff. That's awesome. She be like, I ain't watering your plant. You can water it when you get home. <laughs> Which white Pete? Uh, I was trying to find a name with uh to go with plant, so I was like, I thought about Paul, but I didn't want to do Paul. And 
it was either out of Paul and Pete. Yeah, so I was like, man, Pete the plant. Because <laughs> I don't even know what type of plant it is. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. I don't even know. It's like, it's it's sand. He, he got like sand and dirt in there. And then it's like one little wood piece. And like, he got like some, some leaves growing on it. I don't even know what kind of plant it is. Yeah. All good. Pete the plant. That is amazing. It's such a great story. It's a real feel-good story, something that's been much needed on this podcast, something that's been much needed for the Raiders. I hope that Jalen Richard brings that type of energy every day, all day with the Raiders. And now that he's going to be sharing some duties in the backfield with Doug Martin and carrying the football, and, and well, Jalen Richard, he's more of one of those kind of backs that gets out there in the flat and he catches a lot of passes more so than he does run the ball. But at any rate, he has a lot of positivity, a lot of good energy, and I loved hearing about Pete the plant. Michael, thank you for bringing us that. <laughs> it was pretty enjoyable to transcribe that. Absolutely. So uh, that's something we haven't got into yet is what's happening here. We talked a lot about Amari Cooper, but Marshawn Lynch on IR. Doug Martin seems to be the guy that uh, Gruden is going to turn to as his lead back. But Jalen Richard, again, I, I guess kind of more of a scamp back, if you will, somebody that can catch, that can run, that has a lot of, uh, I guess, finesse, if you will, a lot more finesse in the backfield. It comes out and he's able to make a lot more with a small reception and break open. So I'm curious to see how that dynamic works with the two of them. Michael, what do you make of the new backfield that is going to be uh, there without Marshawn Lynch? The Raiders are confident in it. To me, it's less about the backs and what really will define their success is going to be the blocking. But to focus on the backfield, Doug Martin will be the early down guy. First and second down, you'll see him. Uh, the Raiders do trust him in pass protection and think he can do some things more than Marshawn Lynch out of the backfield. But uh, they ultimately will lean on, continue to lean on, Jalen Richard on third downs. And for the first time all season, we are going to see third-year back DeAndre Washington be active. And so between the three of them, the Raiders are confident that they can achieve what they'd like to as a backfield. But again, the blocking is the question mark because you look back at the game before the Raiders bye week and the offensive line limped into London and the Raiders wanted their game plan was an offense to establish the running game. And the very first carry of the game to Marshawn Lynch was a stretch run to the left. Brandon Parker misses his guy two yard gain. The very next play Marshawn Lynch again, a missed block. He gets, he's hit in the backfield, a two yard gain. And then finally, uh, left guard John Feliciano gets a swim move past them. On third down, it's a, a three-yard loss, and the Raiders punt, and that really set the tone. And that was with Marshawn Lynch. That was with the guy who Doug Martin is replacing. And so it doesn't really matter who the back is if the offensive line isn't healthy enough to really open up those lanes. And so that's the biggest question for me going into this game is, was the bye week enough to get this Raiders offensive line back in track we mentioned earlier we don't know whether or not Kelechi Assemble is going to play that's going to be a big deal something to monitor going into this game whether or not he does suit up but here as we as we chat I think that's one of the key things is just can the offensive line allow Doug Martin and others to be successful Gilbert what do you make of this running game right now 25th overall 
uh, with rushing when it comes to offense. So uh, and that was with Marshawn Lynch. That was with Marshawn Lynch. So what do you what uh, do you make? Um, I'm not feeling good about this uh, rushing attack for the Raiders. Uh, it was if it was maybe what 2012 when Doug Martin was pretty good. I'll feel a lot better, but he hasn't been doing well. I know he hasn't got many opportunities, but when he's there, I think he's averaging about you know three yards per carry. He only has 99 yards rushing on the season, so I know there's limited opportunities, but I just don't feel good about Doug Martin. But I have liked Jalen Rashard in the past. I feel like that's a guy who you know should have gotten more opportunities in years past, which is probably hard to do when you got Marshawn Lynch there. But maybe now they get creative because nowadays a lot of these rushing attacks are guys who, who are very versatile, who, who catch out of the backfield and they help you out. So maybe with Jalen Rashard they get it going and maybe with Doug Martin too. But right now I, I'm not feeling good, especially with the O-line being banged up. Uh, no Amari Cooper to help you out, stretch the field. So – Wide receivers are going to be much, and their car is pretty banged up. Uh, I'm not trying to be negative, but uh, maybe they could put in a Pete the Plant to help out. So, <laughs> I don't know. You need something positive. So, Pete, I don't know, throw him in there. Maybe go block for Jalen Richard. Again, the Raiders are coming up here to face the Colts. The Colts now 2-5. and five. Raiders 1-5. and five. They last met in uh, December of 2016. The Raiders won, but that was, again, Gilbert, you mentioned last week that Derek was the Cargan. game where Derek Carr broke his ankle. I wonder if at all there's any sort of mental state of him going into this game and thinking about that. I don't know if that's something that he would shake off or something that would stick with him. I I think it would stick with him, obviously. It's a big moment. It could help. You know, that's a team where you, you, you broke your ankle, you're supposed to go to the playoffs, and you've kind of been downhill. If he has a big game, throws for 400 yards, who knows? Mentally, it could help. And the interesting thing about the Colts is lately uh, one of their rookie linebackers has been on a surge. He's had 17 tackles. He had a fumble recovery in their last game and eight tackles in the last six games he's played. That's Darius Leonard. So that's something I think that will be problematic for the Raiders. You also have their safety, Mike Mitchell, who's uh, got a good interception and forced former, fumble. Former Raider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, again, uh, the, the Raiders are going to want to say that the Colts defense is the best defense overall. Right now they're against the rush 17th overall against the pass 19th overall. But the Raiders, again, struggling a bit. Um, we bring up the O-line, Michael. That That's one of the major things about this team that I don't think Derek Carr can feel safe behind that line whatsoever. Oh, I agree. And you look at the six sacks that Derek Carr took and the most, the last of which was the one with, you know, the, the facial expression that aroused such controversy. Um, but he's been sacked three times each of the previous three games. And just how the Raiders are going to protect him is they need to keep up pace with Andrew Luck this game. Luck seems to get stronger each week uh, coming off of his own throwing arm issues. And T.Y. Hilton's going to be playing in his second game. And so this very well could be a shootout, at least from the Colts' perspective. Raiders' defense really is struggling to stop seemingly anybody. Uh, too many big plays, uh, failing to get takeaways, and just repeated problems where we have a pretty good sense today of, of what the Raiders' defense is. I, I look at this Raiders team, and it's a 1-5 defense for sure. I think especially earlier in the season, before the offensive line was having its problems, this wasn't a 1-5 offense. It was maybe a 3-3, three and three, if not 4-2. and two. Yeah. But – Right now, it, it, the two are, are, are both struggling, and so I think it's key for the for the Raiders to find a way to protect Derek Carr and, and get those running lanes open 
to keep up with the Colts. And hopefully their kicker can help him out. Gilbert, you brought up Dar- Daniel Carlson. He missed all three field goal attempts in week That's two. That's a kicker number five, by the way. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this guy can help the Raiders help themselves if they score or if they get in field goal range. Can we rely on him? I'm surprised that Michael's not saying uh, they should have kept uh, Giorgio Tavecchio. That was, that was Michael's guy, and they, they probably could have used him now. He's with the Falcons. <laughs> he did great. He did great last week with the Falcons. So He was the first one to go this year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, good old Giorgio Tavecchio doing well out with the Falcons, but Daniel Carlson still needs to find his groove here with the Raiders. Um, we bring up the defense, and Michael, you talked about the struggles there. Right now, Oakland ranks last in the NFL with just seven sacks for the team. Um, they have the third worst defense on third down as well, and that's where the Colts have been flourishing. The Colts right now with a 50% conversion rate on third down. So Yeah, it's a, you need to have success against the Colts on, on first and second down. You want to have them be in, in third and long. You really want to put a lot of pressure on Andrew Luck, on Frank Wright, the head coach, and I'm pretty sure the, he's an offensive play caller as well, although I would have to look that up. You, you, you want to really put them in some tough positions. And unfortunately, we understand where the Raiders are from an edge rush, rush standpoint. We all know who they're missing. But they have seen promising signs from Mo Hurst in particular, from Arden Key, from P.J. Hall. And so those are the type of guys that the Raiders want to continue to develop. Andy Vanderdose is going to be able to return soon. He's been on the PUP. He's practicing this week for the first time since the December 31st ACL tear. And so over the course of this season, with the Raiders being so young, they hope to develop and hope to get these guys just in a groove so that they offer a little bit more resistance on third down and really any down than they have shown thus far. I like Eddie Vanados. Uh, I like what he does at defensive tackle. I think that, like you said, is going to be huge for the Raiders if we get him back. His uh, statistics, he had total 18 tackles in 2017. So he'd be somebody that they could use right about now, <laughs> definitely on that defense. Um, Gilbert, what do you see as the keys for the Raiders in this game? Let's think positive. Yeah. Let's yeah. say the Raiders, you know, are going <laughs> to. You know, like we have a barn burner here, blow the doors <laughs> off with the Colts. You know, they're still playing a two and five team, so there's there's a chance. There is a chance. There's always a chance. This is the <laughs> NFL. It's crazy things can happen, and that's what we love about this sport. Gilbert, what are your keys to the game for the Raiders? It's just wild how we're, we're, we kind of sound like the Colts are going to run away with this game, even though they're two and five. But yeah, obviously uh, Andrew Luck is going to be a be a be a, a a big takeaway for this game because Andrew Luck is back to being I think 2015 Andrew Luck. He had the the shoulders. Uh, Injury, they kind of set him back a, a year ago. He wasn't the same in 2016. But Andrew Luck, is, he, he's, he's, he's balling again. He's dealing. He's, I think he leads the, the league in, uh, in pass attempts. So, uh, so that shows you that they trust his, his shoulder and his arm to throw. And he's second in the league in touchdown passes. He has 20 touchdowns. So Andrew Luck is going to you know, get this offense rolling. Like uh, Michael was saying, you were saying some of these stats. It's not going to be good for the defense to kind of keep up with Andrew Luck. But hopefully maybe for Derek Carr on the flip side, you know, like we mentioned, the where he, where he had the injury against the Colts. Uh, this is a week where people were challenging his toughness and calling him a, a crybaby. So maybe this is a game where Derek Carr, you know, has a great game and he, he kind of you know puts it on himself to kind of, you know, play much better. I know sometimes he kind of he 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 puts so much on himself that it kind of leaves an interception. It doesn't look well. But maybe this could be a bounce back game for Derek Carr. Uh, Mar- Marlon Mack for the Colts, a running back. He had a, a, a good game against the Bills a week ago. I think he had 126 rushing yards uh, for the Colts combined. Had 220. So 
their rushing attack is is uh coming along and T.Y. Houghton is back. I know Michael mentioned that. So at least on offense, the Colts, you know, give you a lot of problems. But on defense, I can see Derek Carr making something happen with this Colts defense. It's not the best defense. It's probably in the lower half. So we'll see. I think it could be a shootout. But, again, it's a 2-5 and five team. And, you know, you bring up Marlon Mack, ma'am. What uh, terror he was last week. 159 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns last week in their game. So he's been a big key for the Colts coming back in. And, you know, he had been – limping himself had a few had some injuries early on in the year but now he's back and making a statement so um michael for you what are the keys to the game for the raiders well i think turnovers i should have mac miss or marlon mac miss practice on thursday with an ankle injury he might still be able to play but that's probably something to monitor otherwise the colts will be in a backfield attack um but for me the keys of the game for the raiders I say turnover margin, and it's one of those that you can probably say every week, but it's certainly something that the defense is focused on. They need to find a way to force more takeaways. It's been when you get past that game against the Cleveland Browns, no coincidence, the Raiders only win. They force four takeaways. A really pretty short supply since then. I think maybe they've had a couple in the other five games. and So uh, that's been an issue. Uh, I think offensively, obviously, they need to protect the football, protect their car. But overall, it's really just down to the basics, not giving up too many big plays defensively. There are so many keys to this game because there's so many things that Raiders need to do better. Uh, but you look at the Raiders, they're coming off of their worst two offensive performances of the season, like we said. It's just about keeping pace, I think. You can't really ask the Raiders' defense to be something it's not. You know, Maybe they will provide some resistance. Not every drive is going to be a scoring drive, but it really falls upon the offense to find a way – to keep pace if your defense is going to allow 28 you better find a way to score 30 and so so that that to me is probably the biggest key is just um the offense find a way to keep pace and protecting the football and like you said protecting the football john gruden he's been very supportive of Carr and some of the statements he's made in the media availabilities that you had on wednesday so here's what he had to say in support of Derek carr I think it's great. I think Derek's doing a lot of good things. I know there's reports out there that the team has, uh, you know, I heard that there's a report out there that a, a phantom unnamed source uh, was, was, uh, was, was curious as, as to some things about Derek. I think Carr is going to be fine. You know, we got a lot of moving pieces now on offense, and it's tough on a quarterback. In the first year of his system, it's doubly tough. So uh, I'm going to keep supporting him. I know I believe in him. I know he's going to be a great player. And, uh, you watch and see. He'll play just fine on Sunday. Okay. So, again, protecting the football, protecting the quarterback, protecting would be, for me, what the Raiders need to do. And to have a sense of urgency. I want to see a sense of urgency out of the team. I haven't really seen it. I did see shades of it in the Cleveland game, Michael. Like you mentioned, the defense looked more fired up. But they need to stay consistent with that. They may not be the best defense, but neither the Colts. Let's not glorify any pieces of their team. Uh, Andrew Luck, however, he has been kind of on a streak, so 15 touchdowns in his last four games. And uh, nobody's really got to luck. And uh, I think the stat I saw is 125 passing attempts. Luck has only been sacked once. So the Raiders haven't had, again, we mentioned the, the seven sacks on the season from the team. So they haven't been able to apply a lot of pressure. You don't put pressure on Andrew Luck. You're not going to have a good day. So <laughs> I would say that would be what we need 
from the Raiders uh, uh, definitely is to not let Andrew Luck be comfortable uh, in this game. But I think right now what we can do is get into our picks. We're still keeping this going. We're going to tell everybody out there who we're picking to win against uh, the Raiders, the Colts. Excuse me. Who we're picking to win, the Raiders or the Colts, down in the black hole. Who have you got, Gilbert? All right. Uh, man, when you mentioned all those Andrew Luck stats, man, I, I, I wouldn't want 50 to zero or something. <laughs> no, 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 I'm going <laughs> to go that far. <laughs> I'm going to give uh, the Raiders a shot, but I'm not going to pick them. Obviously, I don't think anybody will in, in their right mind this week, but I'm going to go with the Colts, uh, 33 to 17. Okay. Wow. That's a big one. <laughs> 33 to 17. Michael, what do you have? That's a pretty good prediction, Gilbert. I'm going to pretty you. much steal it. Uh, <laughs> I would say 31 to 17. That sounds about right to me. Um, I, I just It's hard right now to with the state of this offense. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Raiders move the ball better. If that on Monday we're talking about, wow, they didn't seem to miss Amari Cooper uh, because Jared Cook had a huge game because maybe Martinez Bryant was able to catch a deep touchdown and Jordy Nelson was able to find the rhythm. But until I see it, it's really hard to predict it. And so, um, given what we've seen in recent weeks and given the questions that still remain on the offensive line, not knowing how much the bye week helped them. So I'll go ahead with that pick and, and say the Colts, who are no, as you said, Heidi, they're, they're not exactly, you know, they're, they're having their own problems over there. Um, I'm going to give it to the Colts on Sunday. Okay. And I'm also going to go with the Colts. I'm sorry, Raiders and Raider fans listening to the podcast. Just can't do it. I can't pull that trigger, especially. But here, here's what is interesting. I'm going to say that uh, Daniel Carlson completes a couple field goals, wow. and the the Raiders do see uh, Pater in the end zone once. So I'm going with the score of 13 for the Raiders, and I'm going to give the Colts 27. I I, I want to give Daniel Carlson <laughs> some love because we you know didn't give him any love earlier. So now that's that's my call right there, 27 to 13 for the Colts. And uh, something, again, just before we wrap up here, Michael, you talked about the black hole um, this week and some of how the feeling might be, the ambiance might be on game day. What are you expecting when you walk into the Oakland um, Alameda Coliseum this week? It's going to be interesting to see. I'm trying to figure out how exactly, if at all, it'll be different because typically whatever's going on around the stadium, around the city, you know, once you actually get to the stadium, these are Raiders season ticket holders, some of whom have had season tickets for decades, and they are going to support this team no matter what. That being said, these same season ticket holders have number 52 jerseys. And of course, number 52 is gone. Right. They have number 89 jerseys. Now number 89 is gone. They're 1-5. in five. They seem to have no true desire to be competitive in 2018 uh, because they want to build this thing, they believe, properly through the draft. And so I, I don't know how Raiders fans will react to that, but I think it's definitely something to watch on Sunday, whether or not there's a different feel to this game. All right, that'll be something to keep an eye out for here on the Vegas Nation podcast. Michael Gelkin's coverage of every game is available on ReviewJournal.com as well as Gilbert's. He uh, did some rankings where he has the Raiders put as number 31 this week. Ouch. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. You put my guys down there. Uh, I, I won't say who, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're below that team on your listing. So uh, there, there's always somebody worse, right? Uh, at least, well, there's 32 teams, so not really. 
But anyway. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not there yet. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. Make sure to hit subscribe on iTunes to catch every episode here of the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by your local Southern Nevada Toyota dealers. For Gilbert Manzano, Michael Gelkin, and myself, Heidi Fang, thank you for tuning in. And catch us all on Twitter at GManzano24, at GelkinNFL, and at Heidi Fang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>